Welcome to the Neshama Project podcast. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. We're continuing today our exploration of the seven lower sphirot, the seven lower emanations or qualities that come from infinity that we focus on in this seven-week period called the Omer, which is between Passover the holiday of our freedom, and Shavuot, the holiday of our receiving of revelation. This week, we explore the Sefira of Netzach, which means eternity or victory. I'm going to be reading this week from three relatively modern sources. First from Rabbi Hillel Zeitlin, a very short piece, then from Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green, and then from the poet and author Rachel Pollock. We'll start with Hillel Zeitlin, early 20th century thinker, neo-Hasidic thinker, who died in the Warsaw Ghetto in 1942. He writes, Netzach hod yesod, the three sfirot that follow chesed, gvura, and tiferet, are essentially the completion of the sfirot. When the divine will, the divine mind, and the emotional qualities come to a decision, an agreement to act, we have reached netzach. The term refers to victory, triumph, strength, a fixing of the will. When all these elements see alike, when everything that needs to be done is properly carried forth, the result is hod, visible, revealed beauty. Now Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green. Our inner Jacob, the figure of perfect balance, can also be one of pride. In fact, the term tiferet, which we rendered as splendor, denotes something very close to pride. Quote, I have resolved the great conflict. Here I stand in perfect balance, loving, generous, but still able to judge. Now the balanced, centered figure of Jacob leans too far toward the right and synthesis becomes the new thesis, the unbalanced extreme view. Tiferet gives rise to netzach, or triumph. The netzach in our personality celebrates our victory and believes that we can be triumphant over all enemies of perfection, whatever they may be. Now that we have subdued anger and allowed love to flow in ways that nourish and do not destroy, Wholeness itself seems within our grasp. This is the flaw within Tiferet, that which sets up a second tension, a new level of dialectical strain within the self. An inner sense of perfect balance can lead to the danger of triumphalism. I have won the battle. I can do it all. Nothing will stand in my way. The netzach within us needs and calls forth a new opposing force called hod. Hod means beauty, but some connect it also to hodaya, 
which means both gratitude and confession or admission. Netzach seeks to remake the world, to render everything perfect. It is a great force for goodness, that which inspires us to go forth and right the world's wrongs, to reform the social order, to fulfill the dream of perfection. Hod is the admission that we cannot do it all, the acknowledgement that we have to accept ourselves as we are and be grateful for life as it has been given to us. Beauty lies in that which is, if only we open our eye to behold it. Netzach strives for transformation. It is the impatient force within us that believes we can accomplish anything, that reality should be subject to our wise, reshaping power. Hod is the other side of wisdom, the self that bows before the mystery of what is as it is, the self who submits to reality and rejoices in doing so. The biblical figures represented by Netzach and Hod are Moses and Aaron. Moses is the outer form of the inner Jacob, according to the Kabbalists. We may see it as perfection that takes on the challenge of leadership. The Moses within us stares down the Pharaoh, the embodiment of evil and oppression. That Moses leads our forces out of Egypt, parting the sea with the staff of confidence placed in his hand, but our inner troops get weary and start to lose their way. Confident that we can pull it all together, that we can make it all the way to the promised land, we lead on. In the struggle for victory and transformation, however, we lose some of our patience. Exasperated with our own inability to do it all, we follow Moses in arguing both with his God and his people. Here we need the wisdom of Aaron the priest. Bowing deeply before the altar, he knows how to accept reality as it is. Even when tragedy befalls him, Aaron lost his two sons to an excess religious enthusiasm. He stands silent in acceptance, knowing he will continue in the life of worship. Perhaps life cannot be changed. Aaron accepts it and finds it beautiful as it is. He even accepts and understands the need of those who demand a golden calf. Devotion, gratitude, acceptance. These are the virtues of our inner high priest. So we added in a little bit about hold there, which is the next sphira after Netzach. And now I'm reading from Rachel Pollack. From the perfect balance of Tiferet, the energy shifts in the direction of manifestation, what we call quote, the real world, unquote. Malchut will embody physical matter itself, but before we get there, we must pass through the lower triangle that points down to the physical. This triangle concerns the qualities of the ordinary world and human ways of expression. The top triangle gives us the great principles of above, understanding, wisdom, and pure spirit. Now we come to the human qualities of below, emotions, intellect, and imagination. The Golden Dawn, named Netzach Eternity, Kabbalists also call it victory and endurance. If we think of ourselves as moving up the tree, we begin in the world of the conscious, Malchut. We learn the lessons of our imagination in Yesod and analyze and study existence with our intellects in Hod, and then finally engage reality with our full emotions. Only this emotional openness will allow us to move on to Tiferet, the gateway to the higher realms. Despite the importance of intellect in discovering how the world works, without intellect, we could never comprehend the complexities of the tree. Intellect sets up a distance between ourselves and reality. This is why intellect comes in Hod. 
on the left-hand pillar of contraction. Our emotions connect us directly to existence. They open us up without barriers. Therefore, we find these qualities on the right-hand pillar of expansion. Our emotions give us a glimpse of eternity. Once again, we notice the cross-polarity, for in Western cultures, we tend to think of intellect as male and emotion as female. In fact, in Western Kabbalah, the planetary sphere for Netzach is Venus, the planet that belongs to the goddess of love. Diagonally up from Netzach, on the line through Tiferet, Gevura contains the planetary realm of Mars, whose aggressiveness often seems the polar opposite of Venus. Yet, Gevura appears on the female side of the tree. We might think of this constant cross-polarity as the tree, the cosmos, fertilizing itself. We might also remember that just as we discovered the warrior goddesses of Gevura, so we might recall gods of love in Netzach. Netzach corresponds to the fourth day of creation. Remember, we are not suggesting that the universe actually came into being in six days. On day four, God created the sun and moon, called the greater and lesser lights. These descriptions should make it clear that we are talking here of something besides the physical bodies in the sky. The greater light means Tiferet, whose solar consciousness allows us to look up toward Keter at the same time that it shines down on the physical world. The lesser light is Yesod, whose lunar light opens the path of imagination and the unconscious. On the vertical middle column, Yesod comes between Tiferet and Malchut. Netzach is the realm of water, just as Gevula is fire. Where fire on the left side of the tree burns off impurities, seeking the essence, water flows over and through all of life. It engulfs and so embraces everything without distinction. Water is love, for in fact love suffuses all emotion, even when we might characterize feelings as something else, such as anger, sadness, or hope. Love flows through everything. The goddess Venus, Aphrodite in Greece, embodies our human understanding of love, especially sexual attraction. Some of the myths, such as Homer's descriptions of Aphrodite's dalliances, make love appear vain or selfish or silly, but these are just human projections of our own failings onto the divine images. Sexual energy is so fundamental to our existence, we have trouble accepting its full power. Alan Moore points out that attraction holds the universe together. Electricity works through the attraction of positive and negative poles, often compared to male and female energy. Two forces hold together the very atoms of existence, the strong force in the nucleus and the weak force that keeps electrons in orbit. At the other end of the scale, gravity keeps the stars and planets in their pathways, a mutual relationship that acts across unimaginable distances. We are used to thinking of these forces or laws as cold and unemotional, but why should we assume that no trace of eros or passion runs through the world when we know how strongly it runs through us? If as above, so below, then why not see the cosmos as sexual? Let yourself think about this and see how it changes how you look at the world, not to mention your high school science class.